1: Welcome to Orange is the New Black, a podcast for our Bengals fans. I'm your host, Ace Boogie. My co-host is also with me, Zem Hude. How are you guys feeling?
0: Probably not too
1: good. How are you feeling,
0: Oh I'm feeling pretty good. Um, to me, I know you guys might be a little angry at me, but I feel like the Bengals had, a, 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 had the perfect Sunday. I do not like to feel embarrassed watching the Bengals. I am a little disappointed at that. And it started making me look at the uh, the coaching a lot more. I do want to talk about the game more so than what I thought. And I hope that you want to talk about the game as well, too, Ace.
1: Yeah, we can talk about the game. And, you know, this will just be kind of therapy for us as fans. I mean, obviously the the season isn't going the way that we wanted it, but we still have to break this down and decipher what happened, take some positives from it, and kind of look ahead to what we think. But, um, we definitely have to start with the game, that's that's for sure. But before we get into this, please be sure that you guys subscribe to this podcast. Uh, we're going to try to drop this Mondays and Thursdays, um, so look for it and, uh, you know, Probably the afternoon is usually while, when this will actually be posted, so definitely be sure to check us out there. Um, I'm Ace Boogie. Um, You can follow my YouTube channel, New Stripe City, on YouTube. He is Zim Hude. You can follow him on Instagram at Zim underscore Hude. But let's talk about the game. Zim, what were your thoughts on uh, the loss to Baltimore?
0: So, absolutely, we were embarrassed, and that's not cool. I will say this, Ryan Finley, in his first start, essentially gave Baltimore 13 points, so you could look at it in a positive light that way. Um, one of the main things, I think, coming into the game where we are going to assess the quarterback play, a lot of people hit me up and said, Zim, see, Dalton didn't do any, you know, you got the same results. Like, they should have never been Dalton. No, 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 my friend. This was a situation where we're absolutely trying to see what you have in Ryan Finley and see moving forward How do these pieces work around him, and what does it mean for the system? You got a guy in Dalton that was pretty much, I'm not going to say quitting on plays, but he wasn't giving the effort that I think that the team deserves. And you just drafted a quarterback in the second round, so you need to see, like, what is he up against. And I think the tall task, like, you got to think, he only had one week of reps coming into this game, and he didn't look great at all. I'm not not saying that Ryan Finley did. But to go up against that defense that that goes up by 20 points, you're pretty much just teeing up at that point. for And luckily, they don't have a pass rush that is, like, elite, you know. But at the same time, they're showing them so many different exotic blitzes and stuff. But when you're up 20 points, I mean, like, people are like, man, see, he's fumbling. I'm like, yeah, he's got to work on his awareness in the pocket and, and watch out for these different things. But at the same time, he had one week of reps. I thought he avoided three sacks in the game, and I'm going to highlight that on my Instagram later on, that I've been seeing all year that Dawson's been taken. So this is a game where he gets sacked one time, right? We're going to hear how about how bad the offensive line is. He got sacked one time, and this is a quarterback that isn't nearly as, uh, as uh, agile as some of the quarterbacks that we witnessed on Saturday, which we're going to talk about later in the show. But it, it's just showing you, yeah, we have to escape, metaphorically speaking, we have to escape the front office. And with a quarterback that can improvise, he took a couple of – he the 15-yard run that Friendly had, where he stepped in the pocket I thought was really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and for the first time in the whole year, how about two weeks straight? We're now looking at two weeks straight where this idiot of an offensive line coach, Jim Turner, has actually come up with some good running lanes for Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon ran like he was running through the Great Wall of China, like he was running through a brick wall the whole entire game. 30 carries and they lost by a lot, but he ran yeah. for 100 something yards and to me that was his best game and it sent a message to the team that I'm so so I'm I'm excited about that because if he ends off the whole year like that and say we lose 10 15 20 these games start getting closer and you can't stop that guy running like that it just mm-hmm. sets the table up for next year um, and me and Ace were talking off the air about like just the Drew Sample pick and stuff. See picks like that start to make sense a little bit more when the running game I think starts to go crazy because now you have a, a above average blocking tight end. iceford isn't going to take that seven yard run that that uh, Mixon got and turn it into twelve like maybe you know that I think Drew Sample could. So those right. are the things that I'm looking at like as we start looking into like next year. Uh, what a, you know like how can the team get better? Also. On defense, I I didn't like the way that uh, Jermaine Pratt was starting in the football game. And then as soon as Preston Brown goes in the game, what did the the Ravens start doing? They start picking on Preston Brown. And you see the Andrews big play. Like, they just attack Preston Brown, and it's just like crazy. I didn't understand that. The other one that I wanted to talk about is William Jackson. He didn't get that many snaps, I think, towards the end of the game. I don't know what that was about. I don't know if that's a precautionary thing, But I saw a stat today. He is not giving up more than 65 yards on any um, wide receiver this whole entire year. The stats on him, like, he's starting to put together a really, really good game. I'm still really disappointed, I think, in what I'm seeing from Jesse Bates. I don't know if that's coaching or if that's just him trying to take someone else's assignment, but even the Hollywood Brown play at the very beginning of that game, like, it's just mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff that you weren't seeing last year. I know I just went through a bunch of different points, but –
1: Those are the biggest things that stuck out to me
0: moving forward.
1: Right. I think uh, you hit the nail on the head with several of those topics. The first thing that I'm going to say that stood out to me was that although they got blown out and all of these things really happened, Uh, they really did a good job of at least, and I don't know if this was because of game flow or what it was, and I really feel like it was because of game flow because you kind of brought up the linebackers, and to me, the linebacking deficiency stood out like a sore thumb for me in this game. Uh, Obviously, they were um, decimated. Well, not decimated, but they were destroyed at that position by the uh, Ravens tight ends primarily. You talk about, uh, the tight end, Boyle. They also have the other guy, Andrews. They just really had a field day there. But the crazy thing is that they didn't have a running back run for over 30 yards. So Mark Ingram had nine carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. That's not really good for the team that's supposed to be the number one uh, rushing team uh, in the NFL. But Lamar Jackson rips off that 60-yarder for a touchdown. So it made it seem a little bit like they kind of struggled Ron? on the ground. That How about was that? crazy. That one was quite. That is what Lamar Jackson can do, people, and that is going to be. This is an MVP year. This guy is having. Um, that could be one of the defining moments. I think. he's, he's is my MVP pick. Season. He's my
0: pick. I don't care what Russell Wilson does tonight. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is my pick for MVP. am Lamar
1: Jackson is definitely my pick. And then you talk about what you did from a passing perspective: 15 to 17, 223, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, this guy just, just had his way. Uh, we got, we kind of talked about. Uh, Hollywood Brown on the podcast before this, and we kind of talked about Marquise Brown being an issue. He was four receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Those tight ends killed us. Um, On defense, like you said, um, not much pressure uh, in terms of Of being sacked multiple times, and I think, like you said, Ryan Finley definitely proved that he could play better in the pocket, which was another point that we also brought up on the previous podcast as well, so that's why you guys should be tuned in to us here because we're going to give you unbiased, quality opinions of realistic things that we think are going to happen. We're just not going to feed you that the Bengals are going to do this and we're just so amazing. Um, we're going to give you an actual perspective. Uh, I also think, like you said, Joe Mixon, that was the biggest highlight, I think, for the Bengals is to be able to see him finally get over 100 yards and finally see the line actually not do too bad. Um from a run blocking and pass protection standpoint, I think that that boded
0: a, a lot better
1: for us, especially with Cordy Glenn not being out there. Um, I also heard on another podcast that apparently um, it's possible that Bobby Hart may have been benched at some point during the game. Uh, apparently, Andre Smith was out at right tackle at one at once. Uh, so nobody's job is safe. That's what that says to me. Uh, Ryan Finley. I mean, we guys, we told you guys what Ryan Finley was. We told you that he didn't have the strongest arm. We told you that he kind of had the same deficiencies as Dalton. Yes, he played a little bit better with the pressure, but he still had the the pick six that he threw. Uh, But the good thing is that he didn't give us enough or the front office enough to say that he's going to be the guy going forward. Uh, Tyler Boyd, I like how he showed up in this game after being shut down by Uh, Humphrey, the last time that they played, he he showed pretty well in that arena. Joe Mixon had two receptions, 37 yards. Uh, Tyler Eifert caught a touchdown, so it was good to see Eifert get into the end zone. Uh, But outside of that, the the linebackers just really – Stood out like a sore thrum to me uh, in this game. And although we, you know, only ended up with one sack, it was just pretty clear and evident that between the linebackers and also the secondary, Sean Williams, uh, I'd probably say the most, they just seemed to target those guys. And they just kept going after Sean Williams in the past game, kept going after our linebackers. And I just got tired of seeing balls just get thrown over their heads. And it was, it was really let, just.
0: Let, let me give you a stat for the linebackers. Visual Visual has allowed 20 of 27, that's 74% for 169 yards and a touchdown. Jermaine Pratt uh, is allowed 8 of 11, 73%, 147 yards for a touchdown. The linebackers have combined to allow 52 of 64, that's 81% targets to be completed.
1: Right, and that that is ridiculous, and that's why you saw Zach sitting on the sideline talking to them, trying to figure out what's going on. And that says a lot, right, when a head coach has to sit down with the whole position group and try to get something out of them. And I just don't think it's there. I think we knew that going into the season. I always felt like linebacker was – you know, a position that was not addressed. It was not addressed in free agency. It was barely addressed in the draft with just a selection of Pratt. I think that they should have taken two linebackers in the draft. But it just, it just to me, um, and we were talking before this game, starts to point the finger, I think, to possibly the front office. Now, we don't know who has to say so and what happens, but I think the one thing that we've seen is the offensive line and the linebacking core, these are new problems, people. They're really not. They're not. And we have to hold somebody accountable. Like Zach Taylor, uh, you know, he's not the greatest play caller, and I I agree with that. I just don't think that this is all on Zach, and I think it goes above Zach's pay grade, and you have to look at um, the front office potentially. I mean, this has been a disaster for the past three or four years, and somebody has to be held accountable there. Uh, Obviously, Uh, Mike Brown has his hands in a little bit. I don't think that Mike Brown, at the end of the day, is making roster moves. Let me just put that out. I don't think Mike Brown is doing that at all. Now, he may have the final say so, but I don't think Mike Brown is the guy that's making the decisions in terms of which uh, positional players that they're going after. Um, Somebody made the decision to not sign Shaq Barrett, right? Who that was, not sure. Not a good I was, decision. I,
0: but I was told though on that one though to the to the Bengals credit is that he just opted not to sign with them, and right. I, and, and I also was told he was offered more money with the Bengals and he still didn't go there.
1: So I'm not sure how credible this report is, because I remember the one that you're talking about, but there's a new one that just came out that said that the Bengals rescinded their two-year, uh, seven million dollar offer. Or I think it's seven million a year or something like that. They rescinded mm-hmm. that offer because they didn't feel that he was going to pass uh, the medical or something. So they actually had it on the table and rescinded it because of that, which is kind of ironic given – and I think that you may have to give some credit to them because in the past they've kind of overlooked certain things like that. When you look at the Mm -hmm. Jones Williams situation, you look at Antonio Bryant all those years ago, one of the big reasons that they don't uh, make those big free agent commitments – and mm-hmm. so it's like, man, like Shaq Barrett. Not saying Shaq Barrett is on his team, we're still not winning that many games, right? You might, nope. you might have won one <laughs> game with Shaq Barrett, but you know somebody has to has to be held to a standard for this mess that is happening. You also talk about the trade deadline, nobody being traded, like that. That is stuff that is above what the players on the field can do, and that is above what the head coach can do, right? So I think that. I think um, – and let me know what you guys that are following on YouTube and and are, and are here on Twitter. You can tweet us, at New Stripe City, at Do you think that somebody in the front office – now, we're not talking about ownership because they can't be replaced, but do you think that somebody in the front office either needs to be held accountable or do you think that the Bengals need to get some help there? Like, do they need to actually have a formal GM? Do they need to improve the scouting department? Because clearly there's a disconnect there – And I feel like our players and Zach are kind of on the front line of this, and they're the ones that are having to receive all of the blame, all of the scrutiny, but it almost seems like they're pawns, right? To me, at least, I don't know how them feels, but to me, it seems like they're pawns because I knew week one when they threw those linebackers out there that they were trash. Like I, you yeah. don't, you you couldn't assume I mean. I mean, I mean what's
0: what's the kid? What's the defensive coordinator? Part of the reason why a lot of D coordinators didn't, and, and at the time, it, it didn't make sense. I remember Carlos Dunlap tweeted out something like, "Man, I'll take this roster over, like over, you know." I forgot exactly what he said, so I don't want to misquote him. But he was a, he was alluding to that he had a lot of faith in the roster, especially on defense. When the right. when the guy from uh, Florida, Todd Grantham, um, the coach, okay, the coordinator for the Gators, he absolutely just walked away and flat out said, "There's no way that that defense can win games. Like like the, the linebacking core is, is is in shambles, and you cannot win with that." Like that was one of the things that stuck out to me. And remember how hard it was for Zach Taylor to get a coach, and he had to just go with somebody that he knew that was looking for a quick upgrade in the room, but, you know what I'm saying, like, it, it, it's no surprise that before the season it was really hard for him to get a defensive coordinator.
1: And not only that, you brought up another great point because, you know, some people said, you know, well, Zach Taylor hired, you know, bad coaches and rookie coaches. And I mean, yes, to a degree that he, he hasn't made the best uh, decisions when it comes to his staff, but, you know, this was a guy that was placed beyond the eight ball. Um, not basically having to pick over, you know, leftovers or pick from leftovers for his quarterback staff, or not his quarterback staff, but his coaching staff um, after the Super Bowl. So he didn't really have, uh, he didn't really have, I guess, the best timing in terms of being able to fill that staff. Now some people say couldn't the Bengals have filled his staff for him? I think that that's a coach that I, I've never seen a a new coach have a team actually take care of his staff him like I've never seen that in yeah. have you seen that I, before I've never I, seen that
0: not 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 that I can say I'm I'm sure it's probably been done but I just to take a and you know what and he would probably be one of the coaches that would but say you you had like a a guy like let's I'm just going to use someone perfect for example like a Bill Parcells or somebody like that you couldn't dare try to pick out his staff but somebody pretty much coming from I'm not going to say from nothing you probably It seems like they picked out a lot of other things around him that he has no control over, and he seems pretty fine with that. Um, I think when, coming into the season, I wasn't saying this last year, and I was telling you this earlier today, too. Injuries have really just put him, like, at this position that I can't ignore that. I, I'm i not one of those guys that really be like, well, such and such is injured. But when you're – like, think about him after the draft he was talking so much about Jonah Williams. Like, man, he had a – like, he sounded like me, like, emphatically speaking on, like, man, there's no way. Like, he had a system in place, and to see that system just break down around you where you're developing a system around A.J. Green and Jonah Williams, like, where you're running, running, running. I mean, he drafted two new running backs. I feel like Zach Taylor had his hand in all of that. And he re-signed Giovanni – I mean, not he, but he's co-signing Giovanni Bernard, like – it's no mistake that they were going offensive line heavy, and you had Cordy Glenn potentially coming in at guard like a big guard at that size. Like that just doesn't happen in the NFL where you have that luxury to do that. And then you go get gets you a good uh, blocking tight end. I just think their plan just just went to sh- just went to shambles like as soon as the, the the before the season could even start because he kept on saying. You know, like we we have an opportunity to have our best line and all that stuff, and then Bowling retires, and and then Billy Price turns out to be a bum. Like nothing has worked in his favor, and right. to and to like really like it's hard for me to put it on Zach, but a lot of the play calling and stuff is really really questionable to me. And then people say, well, why don't you have Callahan? Callahan is orchestrating all of the um, uh, he's he's orchestrating all of the set plays that are going on script, he is doing that. And they're not doing well at that. Those are the plays that I think they're doing worse at. So right. it's like – and then people are telling me they're down like – I I didn't see this part. They're down like 20, 30 points. It's a fourth down. I think they kick a field goal or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: people are like, why you don't go for it and stuff like that. So that's that's where Zach Taylor's is kind of getting in the hot seat. Nobody wants to get blown out. I've made it very clear that all throughout this time is, yeah, I don't want to win. But I want to see guys play well in different spots, so that's why I was really excited about mixing. I was really excited that Boyd this time one on one against uh, Humphrey. Now he had like six catches and he did. He had a pretty decent game to me, so it was like those are the things that I'm watching. But to lose,
1: like give up 46 points, like yeah, like, yeah, that's, like that, that's that's part tough. of it. That part of it is is bad, right? And I was just watching the players, and I kind of feel bad for them because it's like. Yeah, I want us to end up with the first the first pick, but it sucks to see guys like Joe 10. Mixon Yeah, Joe Mixon and, and guys like that just be un, like feel defeated. So I hope that they at least get one win this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that brings me to my analogy and it's like I want you guys to enjoy some of this dirty cake, right? It's like you've got some cake on the counter, it falls over it might be chocolate. It might be, you know, vanilla, whatever you like. It might be red velvet, right? My favorite is red velvet. The cake falls on the floor, right? It gets <laughs> dirty. It might It might be some hairs in there, right? It might be pretty nasty. But at the end of the day, it's still sweet, right? I'm eating some of this dirty cake, man, because that's what this tanking is. And I'm offering up slices of this dirty cake for everybody in my mentions, everybody in Who Nation. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly at first, but in the end it will be sweet. And that segues into our next topic. For those, unless you've been hiding under a rock in Cincinnati or wherever you're listening to this from, as a Bengals fan, there was a game that happened on Saturday. That game was the LSU Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide. And it just so happens that these two teams have two players that will be in play for the potential number one pick. And they both happen to play quarterback, and they've been the two (laughs) names that everyone has been tossing around within the past month of whether they should win the Heisman, who's going to be number one. And I think that we finally got to see these guys go head-to-head. So with all due respect, I will give Zim the floor um, to to go ahead and talk about what he saw there and, um, you know, just kind of recap what you saw there and kind of solidify who your pick is for the draft. I mean, I
0: walked away from that game. I don't really have too much to say, but except I just envision, I just envision either one of those guys in the jersey. I can see two, I can see the Dolphins not even drafting Tua because I, I know I'm, I'm going a little off script, but Tua is so good to me, and it's so crazy that Burrow is just really, really good. And there's a lot of people. I think the dolphin enthusiast is like, man, he's just a one year guy. The, the the year before, like I'm not buying that. I'm I'm all the way in. I'm gonna tell you something I did last night, and people are gonna think I'm crazy as hell. And if you're listening to this podcast, and when you see this go viral, or you see me online or whatever, you be like, dad, he told us he was gonna do it. I went and made me a Joe Girl jersey last night. That's how, <laughs> that's how deeply rooted I am into this pick right now. So my wife is like, hey, you got to speak it into existence. I said, yeah, I'll take it one step further. I got a jersey, Joe Burrow home jersey, number 1, number 1 pick,
1: Burrow on the back. Who's yes, coming sir. with? Me?
0: Who's I'm, coming I'm with? I'm glad with me? that you
1: <laughs> them I am so glad that you are on the speaking things into existence. Train. Because remember Now remember when I wanted to And you was like don't get too attached Everybody's been like don't get too attached I'm like no, I man, you gotta You gotta speak these things into existence It's gotta be destiny bro, You gotta bro, get all on out here Listen
0: listen, the, 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 the Dolphins winning Yesterday I mean this is what I led when I said Bengals had a perfect weekend it was, it was a, a, The only bad thing is Steelers won But we're not gonna get into that but aside from that, the Bengals now have better their chances. They have gone from a 7% chance of getting the number one pick to a 60% chance of getting the number one pick in the 2020 draft. And I don't know how you don't get excited about that. And it leaves, the, it leaves the door open for so many options. I just feel as though there's only one option for me, and that's Burrow. Now, the Dolphins with three first-round picks, I could see them going and taking the Chase Young, taking Herbert a little bit later. That's what I was going to say. But how stupid were the Dolphins for giving up Fitzpatrick? Man. Like, like, Fitzpatrick is balling out. Like, I mean, what is it, seven games, five picks or something? Anyway, but I'm I'm on the Burrow train. If you guys missed the game, I mean, the resiliency is too late in that game to come back to throw the uh, the touchdown late in that game. Joe Burrow – is daggone on there perfect throughout the whole dag- the the whole game? I mean, he's lighting them up, improvising, running for what they call him a draw at the moment when it matters the most. They go right. pick up the first. He throws the first down line facing in all of the, and it just it took the heart out of the crimson tie. Like it, it was just so many big moments. And the beauty of that game is so many people like myself. Now I have been watching, I've been cheating and watching their highlights and watching games throughout the year. I watched the LSU and oh, I can't remember what game that was. I think it was early in the year where he had to play Love. Right? I watched mm-hmm. that game. I watched a couple of other games, but that game was unfair because Utah State is nothing compared to LSU. Right. But the 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 things that the Joe Burrow had to do in this game to improvise, it made me feel like this is this is your core. This is the this is what can take you to the next level. And then they'll, and they'll, and then the people. And and it was a perfect it was a perfect marriage too 'cause the the plays that I wanna highlight from Finley, right? Burrow does that times a hundred. So like it right. and, and, and think about this, Finley only got sacked once. So the people that say the line is trash, the line is trash, yes, the NFL's line is trash. Nobody has this elite line. I mean, the Steelers line is really great. I think the Cowboys line, there are some some lines that give teams a lot of time. Like, I feel like Deshaun Watson has been getting, uh, like, ample time, like, in the last weeks or whatever. But even at the end of those games where the one where he gets the eye knocked out or whatever the heck happened to him, the, the pressure's coming on him. But Joe Burrow is absolutely making – one of the fears that I had was that Joe Burrow wasn't going to be able to make it work if he doesn't have a perfect system because LSU has the perfect system. On offense right now, if you haven't seen them, that is that is my pick for the national championship at this point, right. and everything that they do is so systematic and it's so sweet and I love it and I I, I wouldn't mind that I wouldn't mind their coach being our coach. I I, I want to throw I want to throw out a, a, a hypothetical to you too, Greg Roman as the head coach next year. That's the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, but we'll talk about that another show. Um, okay, but but Joe Burrow made all the plays that will make. Cincinnati go to the next level. Like, if you're watching the evolution of Kyler Murray in his year, like, the, what he's done, the plays that he was throwing to, uh, what is it, Christian Kirk, the different plays and the things that he was doing, it's just he's evolving in the system with the same trash team. Cardinals were us last year. They were 3-13. and I imagine the Bengals to win two games maybe this year after what I just saw on Sunday. But it just shows you what one year, one player, one new system. Think about Kyler Murray the following year when they give him another. When they give him another weapon, they, get, they move on from David Johnson and all these different things. Like this is what I'm trying to tell people. Like that's how you start this thing up and get the ball rolling. And Joe Burrow, did you see the guys hoist him up? Like yes, sir. players, players play behind that. You can't get Chase Young here and have ten sacks a game. Like in your mind, you're thinking is happening and you're filling these holes. The the window what what happened is Chase Young would come here. He would have a really good game, a really good year if he stays healthy and everything like that. You win a couple more games. Then you're trying to fill in all these holes everywhere else. By the time Chase Young gets on his fourth year, he's talking about giving him, uh, when we get to 2024, he's going to be like, yeah, I want $200 million. The Bengals can't even pay him. And you still just got your, by 2022, you probably got to, you finally figured out your quarterback. Like the windows of opportunity just don't work like that. You got to get the quarterback, bro. And it's it's so simple to me. And people that don't watch college football, you got a first-hand look at what two electrifying quarterbacks can do for a team um like the Cincinnati Bengals. And I and this is my plea to everybody like get on board with this. Like let's all rally together and watch these guys like it, a lot of people hit me and said, "Bro, that was my first time seeing them." I'm all in, and it made me smile. I was sitting back to Saturday night. I feel like Saturday night was a great night for the, for the Twitter world too, because everybody had great dialogue, and it was just a special night for for somebody that didn't even play for us. So on Sunday, I went and
1: bought my Burrow jersey. All right, definitely, definitely have to agree with them. I think that this was a game that was magical for for all fans that were Bengals fans and that we're watching both of these two guys um take each other on head to head. And I think that what this what everyone should have walked away with, even me as a tour fan, is that Joe Burrow right now, at this moment in time, is like the definitive guy that you have to take number one right now. I think um uh, now if things change, like if they if they have a rematch or something like that in the college football playoffs, I would love to see that. Um uh, but one thing one thing that was sad was that is the only college, or not even college, football game that I have enjoyed this entire season, being that the only other ones that I've watched have been Bengals games. So it was like, damn, I almost forgot. Like, I've been so emotionally dead this season due to how bad we've been. Like, I forgot what it was like to actually enjoy a football game, and that was a game that I thoroughly enjoyed. A second thing that I enjoyed was this. Now, you guys know that I've always been – Tua, I've been good with Burrow. I've never been against Joe Burrow at all. I was like, am you gotta take a quarterback. That's how I've always been. The only person that I may have been hesitant on may be Justin Herbert. But I've always been like Tua or Burrow. Um so from my vantage point, it was also sweet because, um, for those that don't know, I'm I'm also on a Facebook group and I've been posting this Tua stuff for like weeks. Like, man, this is the guy like ever since I said something on this podcast and did my research on Tua, I was like, He's the guy. He's good. And I've been met with a lot of he's overrated, it's Alabama, he's not really that good, you know, he's anything that you can think of. And I loved it because the way that the game flow was Tua came out slow, Burrow did his thing. And I I was also battling against Chase Young guys, so I was like Burrow is definitely going to need to be in consideration before Chase Young um, for sure but I was battling both of these guys and it was funny how things worked out because Tua comes out um you know he he throws a touchdown and then he throws a pick right and then Alabama's getting blown out by you know 20 points and everybody's like what were you saying cuz I had said something like right after Tua threw that touchdown I was like what were y'all saying about Tua like he can't he's not good what was that and so then it kind of flipped on me because he threw the pick and stuff like that. And so people were, like, going in, like, ah, we told you it was overrated, this and that. And then, people, the second half happens, And what does this man do? Now, mind you, crazy. This, man, this man did not really practice like that. I don't even think he practiced within a three-week span. He's coming back on one leg, and this man literally spazzed the entire second half almost gets back to putting his team into a position to win. But it was too late. You know, Joe Burrow sealed the deal. He outplayed him early on. But the Mossy that Tua, like, showed was just amazing. And the other thing was people were like, oh, Alabama's line is amazing. And it was so good to see his line break down and him handle pressure throughout that game. And another thing that's been said is his receivers are amazing. Well, why is Jerry Judy – uh dropping two, you know, touchdown passes. That were the best pass in my opinion that was thrown the entire game was a pass that two or through that was dropped by Judy. It was like a clear touchdown. He dropped two of them and then this man was converting on fourth down. Like these two quarterbacks are amazing. Like I've heard people talk about oh the quarterbacks aren't good enough for you to pass on Chase Young. Yes the hell they are, both of them. And for me, this game stamps Joe Burrow as that guy because he did this against the Alabama team. He did this on the biggest stage that there was, and then he showed swag. He showed so much swag. Like When he got that first down and he did the first down celebration like goodnight, Alabama, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. These are the personality traits that I'm looking for. Both of these guys are what I'm looking for. They've got the arms. They've got the legs. They've got the moxie. They've got the personality. Sign me up. Either one of these guys that you get, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think they both will be good prospects and the right answer for the Bengals. But right now, being realistic, it's Joe Burrow right now. Like, we talking right now, is Joe, Joe
0: Burrow.
1: It's Joe Burrow. And I would kill, I would honestly kill to see that matchup again because it just was amazing. It was like those two players knew. Joe Burrow definitely knew, like, this is this is my step. My stamp, excuse me, for the NFL draft, and so for me it was just amazing to see both of those guys and look at the Chase Young guys and say, so, uh, so uh, Burrow and two aren't good to be taken number one. Man, no.
0: look, look, bro, the the thing that upsets me the most, and people are listening to this right now, are just like it, I, it, you know, our boy Chris is the number one. Maybe we need to get Chris on the show because I need to get in inside someone's head. I just read some of the comments that he was writing earlier today. It's like y'all think after watching that and watching us give up forty six points, and I and I and I sympathize with all of you guys. I understand where you're coming from, but just just trust us. Like I just it's it's really maddening and it it, it almost hurts my feelings and it it almost makes it almost makes me sad that people don't understand what the power of good quarterback play can do to a football team. And they watch it every Sunday, though. They really think, like, quarterbacks elevate everybody. (laughs) On the defense, the offense, like, when you have faith in that other side of the football field, it just changes everything. in the time of possession, like, all of these things, like, we're watching these two juggernauts of football teams go against each other and their quarterbacks are just elevating everybody around them we watching a guy in Lamar Jackson in his second year, you know, like just kill us. But yet every comment on all of my posts is, you think a quarterback is going to save this? Yes. Yes. That's not how you save the whole entire team, but that is the starting point. And I think if you really just watch that game, watch the energy and watch how people rally around these guys, Watch how people rally around. Even people who talk about Baker Mayfield so much. Do you think Baker? Do you think the Browns would even win? What are they three and six right now? If right. they didn't have, if they didn't have Baker Mayfield, they'd be in the same. We'd be battling them for the number one pick.
1: And I love to hear people say that because like, it's like oh, look at Baker Mayfield and this and that. Well, the Browns it, were zero sixteen before he got there. He what are you talking about?
0: And he's in his second year, and they try to put. And, and it's a perfect. It's a perfect. It, it's the way it goes. They put all of the. They put all the blame on him, and yes, he doesn't answer the questions the way that you guys want. Yes, he walks out of things, and some of his leadership is questioned. And I and I'm not against that. But you think that they had – do you think that, like, if you just watch any of that Browns game this past week, they rallied around him and they made plays – he made the plays that had to matter the most. And, yes, the defense stepped their game up as well, too. Um, but it it, it starts as the quarterback, bro. And I, and I just don't think how you think it, unless you just have another hidden agenda. That's why I'm like, get Chris on here. Like, get him on here. You yeah, Like, I really – I, 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 I really want to tell you, because he had a whole thing about Lamar. When, when I kept on saying Lamar, Lamar, he was like, Lamar's trying to – like, they, these guys don't speak on it. Like, I'm talking to you, Chris. You guys don't <laughs> speak on it when we tell you that this guy's lit and then y'all say he's trash like Lamar, and then Lamar balls out. Y'all just – y'all skip right over that, and y'all don't never even mention Lamar again. Well, I'm calling you out now, because you was one of the many ones that said Lamar won't work in the NFL. Now he's working. What are you gonna come back and say? Well, that's just that's just year number two. I don't care if I got half a year of that. Give right. me half a year of that. Baker right. Mayfield, his rookie year was amazing. This year, maybe not so much, but it's growing pains, and this is what it is. Like I think, as being a Browns fan, their their projectile is going way higher than ours right now. So that's a bad argument. I, if you're going against the grain of this quarterback thing, you got to hit an agenda. I'm calling you out right now. If you're saying that you don't want a quarterback right now, it's because, A, you're a Dalton lover. B, you have something else that you have against the franchise. Maybe you're mad at the front office, maybe whatever, and you have a point to prove. Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't want to win if you don't want a quarterback right now at this spot. Because we ain't going to have the number one pick ever again. It's not going to be like whatever y'all talking about.
1: Right, like, and that's like, – like, this is it. That. I'm with you on like, that because I did a I, debate. I did a debate yesterday with uh, someone that Chris knows, and his point was, well, you can get Chase Young and you can come back and try to get a Jalen Hurts in the second round. You can't guarantee that. You can't guarantee that there's not going to be a run at, on quarterbacks after the first couple of couple go. You can't guarantee who's going to be there. You might be stuck with Jordan Love. You might be stuck with Herbert. We don't know that, but you know yeah, what's for and, certain. And what I don't want to do is. Pick.
0: Exactly. And all those scenarios, think about what people are saying. They're like, yeah, let's go get Chase Young. Let's just trade back up into the first. Like, if why would you chance that? Like, you, you, and like somebody's like, well, you could just go back and get Hurts in the second. Why would you even chance stuff like that? Like, suppose a team just says, you know what, I think Hurts is a great leader. I'm going to pick him up in the end of the first. The Patriots might say something like that. Who knows? But my point is, why would you put this this most important time of our our Bengals fandom at risk like that? Y'all just as right. bad as the front office. Everybody quor- knows
1: we need a quarterback. Like, like that's you super think risky. if we don't take one, everybody isn't gonna trade up in front of us, knowing that we need a quarterback. I had a debate with a Red- exactly. I had a
0: debate with a Redskins fan. I said, bro, if I'm the Redskins, I'm taking two. Of them. He like, nah, I'm taking Chase Young. I said, yeah, you could probably convince me of that. He said, now y'all is without a doubt. <laughs> He's like, there's nobody you can find. If you're a Bengals fan, you listen to this right now, go ask anybody in the whole entire world. They they could know Ryan Philly, they could know Dalton, they could maybe not. Everybody knows that we need a quarterback except you. So what is it? Talk to us. I want to know, besides the foolishness that I've been seeing, after watching a game like that Saturday night, I'm rocking my Burrow jersey. My borough jersey. Where's your Joey B at? Where's your to a jersey at, and y'all, what are y'all on? Right. <laughs> like, like I'm right. not, I'm, 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 lost, bro. Like that. It, it and this me. is,
1: and this is the last.
0: Got, Go ahead. Now, now I was gonna say before we recorded this, I had read a couple comments, and I was like, man, even after Saturday night, y'all still on that? Y'all still right. on this? Let's take a chance at quarterback type thing. Like, y'all, is, are you an A.J. McCarron fan? You want to trade to get A.J. McCarron back or something? Like, what's your plan? Y'all sound just as bad as, what's the idiot in the front office, uh, Troy? Troy, um, what should we call it, uh, Troy Blackburn? You sound yeah, like there's... Troy Blackburn. If you say <laughs> don't drive the quarterback right now, you sound like somebody that's saying offensive tackles. You, you, you can't just go to Walmart. What's the stupid quotes that he's making? Like, you sound like. Quarterbacks don't just come along and change franchises, and we're witnessing every single quarterback kill us <laughs> that we right. should have drafted. All the quarterbacks that we didn't even want kill us. Guess what, saying? people? Kyler Murray
1: was still better than Andy Dalton with the bad line. They still beat us. Beat us. <laughs> beat, us. <laughs> Allen, beat us. Josh
0: Allen beat us. It wasn't the Buffalo Bills that beat us. Josh Allen beat us. I don't care. And I'm not saying that because I'm picking a quarterback. When that game was on the line, Josh Allen delivered. When that game was on the line, Kyler Murray delivered. When Lamar had to step up and go crazy on people, he did that. He didn't fold. He came out and killed us. When Russell Wilson had that game, Seattle had no business winning week one. Came back. Russell Wilson made the plays that on that third it was like a third and eighteen. Like I remember some of these plays. They're all quarterback plays. And right. and how how y'all just say, Oh, the defense gave that up. No, the defense was on the field all that time and the time of possession on all these games is so lopsided that Lawrence Taylor being Joe Green and stuff would have been gas. I don't
1: right. know
0: what y'all thinking is going on like in, in the world of football. It's just maddening to me at this point that we're still here. 0-9, and, <laughs> and all these quarterbacks are playing phenomenal football, and y'all still not on the train.
1: Right. I don't, I don't get it, too. And I, I made another great point uh, yesterday or last night, right? Mm-hmm. Name a edge rusher for the Ravens. It's literally their weakest position, and they are 7-2. and two. And this is, what, the second year that it looks like they're going to win the AFC North? They're winning because of Lamar Jackson, people, and a the quarterback. They don't need edge rush. They literally are just as bad as the Bengals at edge rush. They currently rank 27th out of 32 teams in sacks per game. I don't want to hear edge rusher is going to fix the Bengals because it's not. Yep. So So, we can go ahead and wrap up. Zen, was there anything you wanted to say before we get out of here? I know we ran over a little bit, but anything else you want to say?
0: No, I think uh if you're a Bengals fan, now is a now is a great time to be alive. And, and people I said to somebody the other day, they said, Boy, you are crazy. I said, Nah, this is lit to me. I got the number one pick coming and I got two like generational talent looking quarterbacks right there in my face. I got the Dolphins losing. I'm I'm ecstatic. Think about this. Second round, that linebacker that y'all want, we're gonna have the first round. We're gonna have the first pick in the second. Right. We're gonna have that too. The linebacker will be sitting there right there in your face. Free agency, right. I'm not expecting nothing. I'm I'm addressing this as though they ain't going to spend a dollar. I'm cool, whatever. But I got them picks that says that I have – now I don't have to wait on the Nick Vigil's development. I've got perennial, all, like college, you know, like I, the A-list guys we should be looking at this year. We shouldn't be having to bank on – Drew Samples of the world. Like, the guys should be sitting there right in their face. And I don't right. even have to put that much pressure on the front office. I feel like this is a great time to be a Bengals fan, honestly. Like, I made the thing about Baker Mayfield. Like, I feel like they're they're headed up. Maybe they got a little turmoil within the team. They got to figure out how they're going to play Landry and OBJ and whatever. Who knows? I don't know. But all I know is that right now we got the number one pick, and it's a 50% chance.
1: <laughs> Who they?
0: Who they?